Let's pray together again. Father, we thank you that you are our Redeemer, our refuge. Lord, that in the night when we are alone and isolated and feel so vulnerable and sometimes afraid, we can cry out to you and you hear us. Lord, I pray that this morning you would give us some deeper understanding into the nature of this salvation you have so graciously and richly given us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We serve a wonderful God, don't we? What, a, what an amazing God. I, and I, I don't say this lightly, I don't say this to, to, to in any sort of like mocking or jest, but I honestly don't know how other religions do it. I don't, I don't know, I can't imagine going through my week, going through all the hardships and struggles that this world has to offer, things that we just encounter that are tough on a regular basis, whether that's stuff with our own physical health, our anxieties about our kids or our future, our struggles with our own sin and, and our lack of ability to do stuff, our relationships that are hard. I can't imagine going through all of that only to go to some sort of religious service or ritual where my goal is to try my hardest in hopes that a deity will take notice. I mean, how deadening that must be to go and just, just pour yourself out in hopes that it's good enough that someone might look without any assurance of love, without any assurance of grace, to only try and try harder to be good enough. Oh man, our God is so good. That he would say, you can never be good enough and so I'm going to come to you. What a great God we have. He comes to us out of love. He's, he's powerful, he's driven, and he does all of this to save us. But he doesn't save us to put a victory notch on his throne. He's not like, oh, got that guy saved. Move on to the next. Move on to the next. He doesn't, you're not a project that he just completes at salvation and then puts away and never touches again. <laughs> I mean, you can answer that. <laughs> it's... I try not to say things when phones go off, but sometimes I, my sin gets a hold of me. God isn't interested in just saving us and setting aside, but he saves us for relationship. He listens to us. He cares for us. He provides peace. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us to the truth of what's happening and who we are. He forgives us. He approaches us. He turns our mourning into dancing. Our Lord, he doesn't just save us and, and set us aside, but he saves us and he brings us in as children and he actually comforts us. We're going to be in, in 2 Corinthians 1 today. And I invite you to turn there. And I'm, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. 
And I'm just going to read the first three and the first little bit of four. We'll keep moving a little bit, but just for now, this is what we got. Listen to the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to how Paul describes God. The Father of mercies. Do we think of God this way? When we describe the Lord, do we think of him as he is the father of mercies? The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. What a great God we have that he would not only provide salvation to the world, but he would personally comfort us. He is the Lord of all creation who spoke heaven and earth into existence, set the stars in their place, and he's our shepherd who walks with us and comforts us. He's the the God of all mercies, the God of all comfort, comforts us in all our afflictions. And we get to call him by name. You can just say Jehovah, and then all the, all the kinds of Jehovah he is, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophi. We're able to call him Yahweh. We're able to call him Lord. We're able to call him Abba Father. Because he is so full of mercy, and he comforts us in our affliction. That he the God of heaven would actually minister to us. I hope that you're as amazed as I am in this and and you're in your hearts stirred up in worship as you're sitting. And Paul will go on, we're not going to get to it this morning, but Paul will go on to specifically tie the afflictions to that which comes from suffering for the name of Christ. But it is worth noting that Paul does not say that the Lord comforts us in one type of affliction, but in all our afflictions, that he comforts us. I hope that you have been comforted through the first part of this year as we've talked about this holy invitation from the Lord to cast our burdens on Him for no other reason than the fact that He cares for us. He doesn't say, cast your burdens on me so you can get it off your back and finally get to work, you lazy slob. He doesn't say, cast your burdens on me so I can fix you because you've been a real problem and if we could just get through this, then you'll be fine. But he says, cast your burdens on me because I care for you. That's God's word to you. And I hope that over the last, over the last few weeks that you have found comfort in that. You've found comfort in the fact that God graciously forgives all our sin. That he has made you in fearful and wonderful ways. He's made you and he knows you and he loves you. That he would know you fully and love you fully. But we do need to note here that God never does anything for the sake of doing it. Everything God does has a future purpose. He created, 
so that people would be fruitful and multiply. He started a single nation to show the whole world who he is. He always has a greater purpose for his action. And our comfort is no exception. He saves and comforts for our good, absolutely. He saved you so you could have eternal life. He comforts you to turn your mourning into dancing, absolutely. But he also saves and comforts us for the good of others. I'm going to give two evidences of this. One is going to require you to have some personal reflection. If you've been walking with Christ for some time now, think of the ways that God has comforted you, of the times where you've been really struggling and the Lord has cared for you. And then think about, are there how many of those times that the Lord has comforted you in various afflictions and trials and struggles, how many of those times did God comfort you through his people, where someone sat with you, someone cared for you, someone listened to you, someone prayed for you, someone provided meals for you, someone went to the doctor's office with you, someone called you, wrote you a note that you got in the mail at just the right time. How many times has God ministered to you through the body of Christ? So that's evidence one. Evidence two is the word itself. Let's start reading verse three again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. And what are the next two words? So that. There's a whole purpose to you being comforted by the Lord. So that. We may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you see this? God comforts you and cares for you so that, with the express purpose of you then comforting and caring for others who are in need of it. Isn't that great? That God would comfort you, and as you're feeling so grateful for that, God would say, hey, I did this for a reason. Now you get to take that love and extend it to someone else. God comforts us not just that we could be happy and sit with contentment, but that we should become vehicles for God's comfort in the lives of others. Now, if you don't see this next phrase coming, you probably haven't been here long enough. We experience so we can extend, right? So these last few weeks that we've been talking about casting our anxieties on the Lord, it's all been these, these various and intricate ways that we experience God's love, that we experience his comforting love so that we can extend his comforting love. We were casting our burdens because he cares for us and now we are carrying and focusing on carrying each other's burdens because he cared for us. Casting because he cares, carrying because he cared. 
We've been experiencing God's love, and now we're focused on extending God's love. And this is a really big part of a body of believers gathering together, whether that be in Sunday morning worship, in adult Bible fellowship, in midweek Bible studies, in different ministry teams and serving teams, that as Christians come together, we are able to do something that the world is not able to do, namely, extend the love of God to one another that he has so graciously given us. And so we should be eager when we come together as Christians. We should be eager to look for opportunities to pray for one another. To find out who we can encourage, who we can lift up. Maybe have a verse that's hit us real strong during our quiet times in the week that we just come to church loaded with that in our pocket to give as a gospel reminder, as a gift to our brothers and sisters in Christ. To come with an expectancy of God has been so good to me this week. How can I extend that goodness to my brothers and sisters in Christ? How can I, how can I be with them? And how can I give them this comfort that God has given me? So how in the world do we extend this comforting love of God? We extend the comforting love of God by loving like the Lord. First of all, through listening. When we seek to do good to each other, a good first step is in general to think, what has the Lord done for us? And there's a whole lot of things here. The Lord laid himself down. We can lay ourselves down for each other. We'll get into that more next week. Here, let's look at the fact that we're invited to pray. We are told to pray over and over again because of who God is, that he is a listening God. When God first approached Moses, he said, I have heard the outcry of my people. I have heard their cry. He commands in the law to not mistreat the poor because he hears their cries. In the Psalms, there are around 200 times where the psalmist confidently asks the Lord to listen, hear, or incline his ear. We serve and cry out to a listening God. When a good parent tells their child, I want you to talk to me, it's not so the parent can then laugh at them and be like, I don't care. But it's because the parent wants to listen. And we have a God who has over and over again through Scripture invited us and commanded us to pray because he listens. In Scripture, we are told to be quick to listen and slow to speak. This is not simply an anger management strategy, although that is where that verse specifically goes, that we would be slow to anger in that. But how much better would we be at extending the comfort of God and the love of God if we were very quick to listen and slow to speak? Because listening is never done by accident. I don't know how many times I've accidentally said the wrong words. But I don't think I've ever accidentally listened to a friend in a time of need. Listening requires presence and relationship. 
the opportunity to listen is the fruit of time and relationship. And over the course of time through relationship, we earn the right to listen when comfort is needed most. We earn the right to be that phone call, to sit in that hospital waiting room, to come over at any hour of the day or night or for them to stop over because they need someone. But listening requires self-control. We, especially we of the male variety, love solutions. We love fixing stuff. Sometimes while fixing stuff, I break it a little more just to fix it again. People think it's an accident, but I'm just a mad scientist up here. We want so badly to bring a fix and to bring resolution. We should use Job's friends as an example who sat and sat and sat silently, caring for their friends so well, only to ruin it through their theological conjecture, which added to his discomfort instead of helping him. Let us not miss the significance of this. You can often help more by asking questions instead of just by giving a quick response. And so in those moments, you don't know what to say. Just ask another question. Just, ask, just keep asking questions. And to practice intentional listening, which requires us to prioritize being able to repeat what is said to us more than to be able to have a quick response to what is said to us. When we intentionally listen, focused on being able to repeat the words said to us, it slows down the conversation. It prevents us from chronic foot and mouth disease. Knowing you'll eventually have to say something. You slow that down. And then, and then you make your say something to the Lord through active prayer. We extend the comforting love of God by listening and then through active prayer. Again, I want to point us to what the Lord does. And this is, I'm, 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 we, we could go back and go over these passages later. I'm, I'm, I'm condensing here a little bit. But let's think of what, what the, about the Lord praying for us. Do you realize that God prays for you? Jesus, Hebrews tells us, is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Romans 8 tells us, that the Holy Spirit cries out for us and groans too deep for words. So think about this. Those of you who love to be Trinitarian, God the Father's on the throne. Jesus is at his right hand praying for us, and the Holy Spirit within us is crying out to God on our behalf and groans too deep for us because we don't know how to pray in that moment. Two-thirds of the Trinity is praying for you. Do you think that's significant? You think that maybe we should take a cue in there? And if God thinks prayer is this important, then maybe, maybe I should bolster my priority of prayer a little bit as well. One mistake we make when we try to comfort people 
is we talk about God instead of talking to God with them. And so we start talking to them about God. You know, God this and God this and God that. And some of it may be even true. But oftentimes, we run the risk of saying wrong things about God, again, like Job's friends. We start talking about having more faith. And if you have more faith, this will go away. And I think you guys by now know what I think about those kinds of thoughts. And if you don't, then welcome to Westchester. We're glad you're here. Or we talk about essential oils or whatever multi-level marketing scheme we've started selling stuff in. I have a product in Plexus that'll take away all your fears. We shouldn't be concerned with talking about God to them, but talking to God with them. Do you see the difference there? Instead of talking about God to them, we should be talking to God with them. When we are more concerned with praying for a person, we don't, we don't talk to them about what may be true about God. We talk to the true God about them. And it's great to say, I'm going to be praying for you with this. We should be, be encouraging each other, that we are praying for each other. But we also need to make sure we stop long enough to actually pray with each other. A Barna study conducted in 2017 revealed that approximately 6% of Christians regularly pray with other people. Meaning 94% of Christians don't regularly pray with other people. And I'm just going to, in case you think like, hey, I pray with people all the time. I'm just going to throw this out. Someone praying in the front of a room while you bow your head does not count as actually praying with them. Not in this case. Someone in your house praying before a meal and only one person praying. I'm talking about actually like, hey, let's sit down and let's pray together where we're going to pray more than one time each. We're going to go back and forth praying and praying. I had a friend who would say, we're going to pray until we pray. We're just going to keep going. We're going to keep pressing into this. 6% of Christians regularly pray with other believers. I feel like we're missing out. This is one of the reasons we're wanting to do what we did a little bit earlier, where we regularly have prayer as part of our worship service, where we just pray together more than just having one of us professionals do it from the front. Start praying together. I'm willing to wager that if you commit to praying with, with a friend or a family member more regularly, maybe your spouse, maybe a sibling or a parent, that you pray with them intentionally more regularly, that your relationship will go deeper and that your faith will enjoy some pretty great benefits as well. So instead of me going into more detail about these things, I'm actually going to welcome up my friend Lynn Vanderplut. And um, Lynn 
there's so many of us who, who have prayed for you over the last few years here, and a handful of us who have been able to pray with you. Um, Lynn, you're going to share a little bit about your story, and, um, and Lynn's going to share from someone who has been comforted by the body of Christ, uh, giving, giving some of her testimony that way. But also, Lynn's going to share someone who was who a part of our Stephen ministry, is a Stephen's minister for a long time, on how we can do this. So, Lynn, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we love you. And I'm, I'm just going to take a seat and let you, you talk to us for a little bit. Okay. I got the mic now. So, uh, First of all, I do want to say how grateful I am to have the opportunity to publicly thank all of you at Westchester for the many ways that you came alongside me and my family. Um, just lots of tangible ways. And also, I think, in sharing about our stories and what God's done, it's a great way to um, give him glory for the working he's done. So thank you, Chuck, for the chance. Um, one of the ways that I am most amazed by God is that he does not need us to accomplish his works. He doesn't need us to carry burdens He's fully capable of carrying all of our burdens all by himself for each and every one, to, one of us. Um, and yet, at the same time, in his love and grace, he gifts each of us with the opportunities to come alongside one another and also gives us the privilege of experiencing the need to have others come alongside us, which doesn't always feel like a privilege in the time, but it is. Um, just as he loves and speaks to us in individual, personal ways, he also allows us to suffer in unique and personal ways um, and experience that privilege of having someone come alongside in your own personal uh, hardships. So there is a choice involved. We can choose to share our burdens and allow others to carry them, and this is really hard, uh, but I feel like it's an act of stewardship. We've, we've all heard that we're instructed to steward our money well, our resources, our gifts, our talents. Um, but I think, I believe he also asks us to steward our suffering. Um, by stewarding our suffering, he gives purpose to our struggles, and he gets glory in the midst of it. And you know, in Colossians 3.17, it says, all we do, we're to do to the glory of God. Well, I believe that's one of the ways we give him glory, even when things are really hard, is by stewarding that. Um, so I wanted to share two personal experiences I have with this. Um, so in 2003, I was actively parenting seven children that were still in the home, and I was diagnosed with leukemia. And my youngest was five. I remember thinking, if I die, she will not remember who I am. Uh, it was just a very devastating, dark time. And I remember the first night I was in the hospital thinking, what do I know that I don't know that I know that I need to tell people so they can keep my house running for my children? Um, you know, there's so much as moms we just do. And you're like, I, I'm going to have to tell people what to do and allow them to help. But my brain was just, you know, it was hard. It was hard. Um, and it was just dark and scary time. And we had alerted the church family to be praying. So I, I felt scared, but I knew I wasn't alone because there were people praying. So Chuck already mentioned that. That's one of the important pieces. You have to let people know. And then uh, 
people will be praying. So uh, I'd been in the hospital just a couple of days, and I was standing in my hospital window looking outside on a parking, at a parking lot. And it was cold out. It was October. It was a dreary, cold day. And suddenly I saw uh, some bleachers. They looked like the kind you'd see at like a junior high track event, those bleachers that people can sit on. And they were full of people who were all bundled up, hats, coats, scarves, sitting like this, like they were kind of sleeping and trying to stay warm. And all of a sudden, one of them looked up and saw me. And he nudged the one next to him, and they started nudging each other and going, she's there, she's there, and started looking up at me. And then they all held up pieces of, it looked like poster board, white poster board, because they kind of were floppy. And on each one was a letter, and it said, Jesus loves Lynn didn't say Jesus loves you, it said Jesus loves Lynn. And some of you know I have an E on the end of my name and they did not have an E. And I was like, I have an E. <laughs> and suddenly this guy holds up his E. Um, and it was like, how personal can that get? And it was a picture, a vision I believe God gave me of the great cloud of witnesses who are with us and there. And I remember it only lasted a few days, but I would get up in the middle of the night with my IV pole and try to get to the bathroom, and I'd go look out there, and they'd all rouse each other and be cheering me on, literally. Like, yay, Jesus loves you. Um, and it was just such an incredible picture of what I really believe is real. So not only are we as people cheering one another on, but there are in the heavenly realm people cheering us on, most importantly, as Chuck mentioned, God and the Spirit and Jesus. So um, I felt like because people were praying, God inspired people to come alongside us in that period of time in ways I couldn't have thought of, I couldn't have asked. Uh, so as you're praying for people, allow God to tell you how you could help. And I could spend a whole other morning telling all the ways everyone helped, but Chuck will have to give me another Sunday for that. So... Um, Anyway, I had two years of treatments, and in his grace, God allowed me to raise my children, which was such a blessing. And then at tw in 2020, at a routine oncology appointment, I learned that I had MDS, which is a bone marrow cancer, and it was a direct result of the chemo I had had for leukemia. Um, but I, I was grateful for that chemo because it allowed me to live long enough to raise my children. Um, this time, my only chance of survival was more chemo and a stem cell transplant. Um, again, dark, scary time. But I was able to remember this time how God had carried us through that first time. And it doesn't, remembering and trusting God in this doesn't necessarily mean your feelings go away. It doesn't necessarily mean your totally handling it all calm. Uh, you're, st you're still scared and it's very daunting, but that is so helpful to know that. Um, so this time, I didn't need the same kind of help. I did not have children in a home where I needed someone doing physical things. Also, what really comforted me when I had leukemia was people visiting me and just sitting alongside me. This time, between COVID and my immune system, I wasn't allowed to be around anyone. No one could come to the hospital. Well, Dan could. 
No one could come into my home. My grandchildren couldn't even be near. It was just a very isolated time. Um, So my needs were different. But again, we'd ask the church to pray. And so God placed people at just the right mile markers. If I think of that crowd of witnesses around the track, um, I felt like I'm running a marathon that I have no idea when it's going to end. And by running, I mean crawling, crying, (laughs) limping along. Um, You know, I just never put pressure on yourself to suffer well. you know, you do what you can do, and in your whatever you're going through, it might look very messy. Because um, I'm not going to lie, it was painful and lonely and ugly. And there were times I just wanted the days to go by. I thought, I just want these days to go by so I can get to the end of whatever this is and deal with it. Um, and it was very clear to me that God was like, no, each of these days is important. I have a purpose in each of these days and you are to steward them well. Again, that doesn't always look like you're necessarily achieving something, Um, but I felt like that's what he was asking. So really, uh, prayers, they are the biggest, that was my biggest need, and then words. Never underestimate the power of prayer, um, but also written words. You know, little notes in the mail, a text can be just supernaturally used uh, to encourage you and help you keep running that race. Um, There were times through this bout of cancer that I literally felt carried in ways I couldn't really articulate. Um, But I remember that sensing of that, like, I feel like I should be falling apart more right now. Or, uh, Or I just almost felt a physical sense of being carried. So although it's a privilege to be carried in reality, most of us prefer to be the map bearer. You know, the friends that carried their friend to Jesus and they carried the mat. Um, It's very humbling to be the one who has to be carried. Uh, We all would much rather let me do something, but we will each have seasons of being the one who has to be carried. And it's humbling. But we know that Jesus is pleased to bow down to the lowly. Um, He comforts us in our weakness, and that's what becomes the blessing. So the situation may not be the blessing, but the comfort he extends is what becomes the blessing. And as I said earlier, God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need someone to carry us to him. Uh, He comes to us, and he meets us where we are. And he will do that day after day after day after day. Um, Because he loves us, he allows us to experience the gift and privilege of being involved in his work. He allows us to comfort one another in personal ways, to share the comfort we've been given, as explained in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 that Chuck read. Um, By serving others, we are able to redeem our own suffering and burdens. So your suffering and your burdens and your hard times are not wasted. They're not wasted, and it may not You may not even see that. It takes time. But I feel like it's a way that brings purpose to something that feels very purposeless. Um, So there's simple ways we can come alongside one another. Chuck already mentioned some of these. So 
God gave me what I was supposed to say, so if it's more than once, it must mean he really wants you to hear it. <laughs> so if I repeat, Chuck. Um, so the first is prayer, asking God, how can I help? How can I help? And then listening, listening to God. How does he tell you you can help? Um, listen to the one who's suffering. And then words, words of truth. Chuck had a great idea of bringing a scripture card with you, uh, giving it to someone. You know, when you're going through hard things, your brain doesn't always work properly, and you can't remember what someone said. Uh, but something written down, you can put in front of your face and cling to. Uh, as he said, the prayer and listening are much more important than the talking. Uh, but also, there's a phrase in Stephen Ministry that I find very helpful, and it says, we are to be caregivers. We are to extend care, but we are not the cure giver. God is the only one who can cure the problems. So we don't need to go in there and try to figure out how they could fix this, how they could do it better. We just extend care and we trust him to cure. So we're the caregiver. He's the cure giver. Uh, there's a print by the artist Mary Inglebright. I don't know if you all know who she is, but it's of a mom and she's got this big quilt on her lap. And there's a little girl snuggled up against that quilt. And the print is entitled The Comforter. And we all know comforter can be another word for a quilt that you put on your bed. Um, but we also know that comforter is one of the names of the Holy Spirit. And I've always thought that picture to me shows what the Spirit does. It's like a big warm blanket. And God uses his people to be that warm blanket. And you just need to be cuddled up in that. It doesn't necessarily involve words or deeds. It's presence. It's presence. So allowing his spirit to be, work through you to be presence there. Um, God never asks us to do anything alone. He's always with us, comforting us, uh, comforting us and comforting others through us. So it's an opportunity to be involved in a supernatural, uh, amazing journey. So maybe you are in a season where you are being called to steward your suffering by allowing others to carry your burden, because we all go through seasons. If so, be encouraged. God is using this season to equip you to share the comfort he's given to you with someone else. Be alert and watching for how he uses your specific suffering to minister to someone else. And may he receive all the glory and honor for the work that he does in us and through us. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Um, I just, I just praise God, Lynn, that you're here and doing this with us and uh, for all the answered prayers to get to this point. So I want to, we're, we're going to start winding it down here, but I want us to point to, we, we listen and we, we actively pray, pray so that as we extend comfort, that there is resounding truth. When we intentionally listen and actively pray, we deliver all we deliver more truth than if we start with our own educated opinion. If we start by saying, well, you know, I've always thought uh, those next words may not be as helpful as we intend them to be. Not only that, but we use these gifts of God 
to cut through all the layers of noise and interference that lay between God and heaven and the heart that is in need of comfort. You think about when you're really struggling, all, it, it just feels like there's this static interference where there's how your own body is feeling. There's all the distractions of social media that you use to try and self-medicate to get yourself off of stuff. There's, there's all the self-help stuff and the cultural zeitgeist of, of what's best. There's false teaching. There's your own self-doubt and ideas that are going on that get cloudy of I'm all alone, I'm not suffering as good as Johnny Erickson Tata suffers, what's wrong with me? When we listen and we pray, we enable the Lord to cut, or we don't enable the Lord to do anything. But we make it so the Lord's Words for the person are more easily able to get to the heart. We don't add to the noise. Our goal is to cut through this noise with right reminders so we can enter in. I've talked a lot about not wanting to say the wrong thing. And so one thing I do when I go, whether I'm going to someone's house or a hospital with them or talking to them on the phone, not able to get to them, is I try to have a word from the Lord. And, and by that, I don't mean that I get special dreams as a pastor, but I have the same thing as you guys do. And so I, I just try and have a word from God's word ready for them. And it may be something that I've read recently. It may just be something, I have like five tricks up my sleeve here, right? Like I have like five passages I go to. If you go through a lot of stuff, you'll be like, Chuck's not creative, maybe needs to read more. But there's just a few passages that I've found just really, for me, have cut through to stuff. One of them, Psalm 121, that the Lord is the one who helps us. He's our keeper. He keeps, he keeps, he keeps, he keeps. And so instead of me coming and saying, well, here's what Pastor Chuck thinks, I can come and read, here's what the Holy Spirit has said about finding help when I feel like there's no other help. Here's, I can go to Psalm 42, here's what the Holy Spirit has said when it feels like my tears are my food. Go to Psalm 18. Here's what the Lord has told us for our, our own building up when we need a refuge and a rock and a mighty fortress. And so try to have, maybe it's not just something like what I talked about earlier and Lynn talked about where it's a literal card that you hand out. Maybe it's you just have a couple passages that these are your default just like you have a favorite tool in the toolbox, you have a favorite passage for comfort. You just memorize that and be ready to share that so that when you open your mouth, it's the word of God coming out. Speak of God's love and action. Give your own testimonial perspective of how God has comforted you and give gospel reminders. We need to ever increase in how we apply the cross to what we're doing. When we feel alone, when we feel on our own, when we feel unloved, could we remember that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were unloving, he loved us so much he sent his son to die on the cross for us? Could we be reminded that the Lord loves us so much that he broke his own body 
for us. He poured out his own blood for us. I've, uh, I'm going to ask those who are serving to come, come forward to help with communion. I, I, I've, I've read different times where people talk about being nourished by this meal. And I don't know what the caloric and vitamin intake is from communion as we present it, but I imagine it's pretty minimal. But there's a better nourishing that comes when we do this. As we hold that little wafer, as we hold that little cup, to be reminded and comforted by the fact that this is what my Lord did so that I could call Him my Lord. This is God's love for me. Shown on the cross and poured out on the ground. This is God's love. And be comforted by the intensity and the intentionality of that love. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you would love us, that you would care for us, that you would nurture us, that you would send your son to die for us, and that you would comfort us, that you're the God of all mercies. You're the God of all comfort. Lord, help us to comfort one another and be fueled by that which you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.